All right, everybody. So today, back on the podcast, we have Alberto Nunez. How you doing, man? Man, this is like the third time, isn't it? It is the third time, yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I enjoyed um, your podcast so much because of, um, you know how it goes, man. It's like um, there, there's a podcast, even podcasts, even the evidence-based actor, like we can get a little clicky, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like you just like have a wide array of people. And I think even like on my end, it's, it's like I'm more of a producer than a consumer. It's like, it's important yeah. um, to look with stuff. So no, love your stuff, man. So Thanks, glad man. I can contribute. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be three years in, I guess the first video was released in like September, October of 2018. So it's coming up on three years, which seems crazy. Cause I, I mean, I very much remember like the first conversations with like Eric Helms, Scott Stevenson, talking to Steve Hall about his podcast, like that's very fresh in my mind. So it's bizarre. I think this is episode, I think we're around like 131, 132, something like that. Oh, you've been busy then. Okay, so when did this start? And what was your first year? So yeah, so that was September of, I started, my first recording was September Uh of 2018. Okay. So yeah, so almost three years. And I've been consistent with, pretty much one podcast per week on average. Yeah, you have, because we just got to 180 on our own. And we were like, like, man, we're doing pretty well. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, and like, like you said, though, I mean, it, it's so I've got the people who like I talk with the most, right? Like I've had everybody from 3MJ on at least twice. Uh, mm-hmm. This is your third. Eric Helms, like <laughs> probably four. Um, and other people as repeat guests. But then I do try to branch out because I have interest outside of just like, that's the thing that like I am impressed with Steve Hall's podcast because it's like, it's just bodybuilding for the most part. Like it's pretty much just natural bodybuilding overall. And Uh I'm like, man, like I find that's a very interesting, but I think if I was 200 episodes into just that topic, you know, like I'd want to branch out a little bit, do some strongman stuff, some health stuff, talking to MDs. So um, I, I try to at least keep it in that general health and fitness realm. Uh, but I, I definitely try to vary it up a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Hey, well, congrats, man. That's pretty dope. Thanks. And, uh, you know, one thing I do want to mention here. So we talked about uh, my donation today going to Operation Smile. And I, I guess maybe I should mention these more <laughs> because I've actually been pretty shocked at the number of people who had no idea, like, like guests maybe who have said that they watched it. Um, like I, I just had a guy, Colton on who a uh, great guy. And he, he didn't know that like I did much with donations and he's watched like a ton of the podcasts. And I think, um, you know, when I started it, the idea was, well, there's a million podcasts. So if nobody listens, I still want this to be worthwhile. Thankfully people have listened. Um, but my idea was like, you know, it should be helping people and spread the awareness of these other charities. And so I don't know if I just haven't done, a good enough job on it or what, but I, I guess maybe I should make more of an announcement. So everybody listening, every podcast, there is a donation <laughs> to charity. Today is to Operation Smile. They help children born with cleft lip and palate with getting those surgeries. Uh, it can be pretty life-changing. And as always, I have a link down below. So check that out if you're interested. So what's been going on with you, man, as far as like the, the fitness stuff? I mean, you know, obviously longtime competitor in bodybuilding. What are your current goals and what are you up to? Oh, okay. So man, um, last little leg of the off season here because next year I, I do want to compete. Um, so yeah, it, it uh, it's it's crazy how that just gives you a, a form of, of tunnel vision. And I don't know. I think personally, this might be the the last like really long off season I take, oh. just because I, I I see how that works. It's like okay, now that I'm like a year or so out, it's like from starting a prep i'm like going the extra mile you know and i like to think i am all the time but but i think how long has it been it's been since 2017 man yeah mm. yeah 2017. Mm. and you know there was me. i guess maybe something worth getting into is like there was a little lapse in um i'd say focus for a minute there yeah um where you know i was probably training four days a week with minimal amounts of uh, volume for me anyways for, for a little bit longer than I'd, I'd care to admit. Um, but uh, but no, it was a lockdown. Post-lockdown, that's just kind of, you know, training. I had a 40-pound kettlebell, dude. That, that's basically what I had to train with for, for a few months. Uh, and I decided to do it in my bedroom as well. So when the gym opened up again, I had like 
three of the worst days I could pick from. I think it, it made no sense. It was like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I had an hour. Um, and I did so much with my three hours. Um, yeah, that kind of made me appreciate everything again. Yeah. And uh, just really uh, aligned my focus. So, um, so, yeah, now we're here. It's been, ever since then, it's been super productive. And, uh, and, and yeah, man, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to that pursuit again. When you say, uh, you know, you're as an example of not taking it as seriously, it sounded like you were saying, okay, well, four days a week. Now you did also mention the lower volume at your level of experience. Do you feel like you actually regressed by going like, and not counting like the layoff with COVID obviously, but I'm just saying, do you think four days a week is just genuinely not enough for you or that you just to make more progress, you need the five, six days a week? Well, I, I, I guess, you know, you could, you could get it done in four, um, especially if you just trim a lot of the extra, you know, if you're very efficient and you know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, which at this point, we have narrowed it down to, to that point, but it, it just, it was more so that I only wanted to be there four days a week. Okay. You know, that, that, that said a lot. So, um, so yeah, yeah. Shoot, a few months of training in your bedroom, that'll like yeah. switch your perspective a little bit. Are so. the uh, the dreams of all of you getting on stage around the same time still? Is that any hope for that or not really? Oh man. So I think um, Andrea is is definitely like right. not in. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, she competes in a different division, and and <laughs> obviously. Uh, you know, she's, she's a female, right. um, but, uh, but, you know, having the four of us would be, would be nice. I think Brad would be kind of, you know, he'd, yeah, yeah. But you know what, his, his, uh, his son just, uh, he's starting college, right? So it's, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know what, you got nothing else to do, dude, right. you know, <laughs> let's have something to, to, to distract you soon and just mope around the house. So that would, that, that is in the plans. And I think at some point, if we don't, like really push for it, it's not going to happen, but it'd be, it'd be worth the troubles, I think. And you would all be, well, let's see, the weight classes. So uh, I'm trying to think, Jeff would be the heaviest, right? He's in like the 170 or no, maybe. No, Jeff, but I mean, Eric, because he's, uh, he's the tallest. Right, yeah, right. He's, so Eric's around maybe six, like 180. He says six feet, but he's 6'1". Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he is, I think we saw one 175 the last time he prepped. Oh wow! Okay, so you've really got down there. You got down there, yeah, yeah. So we can do we could do a middleweight and NPC. That would come. We'd all that that that's a it's a huge one fifty six to one seventy six. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, I guess if Eric like really sucked in, and then Brad is probably right around that like one fifty five, one fifty six. He's a generic one hundred sixty pound yeah. natural builder. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, man, it'd be cool to see. It'd be you know get some awesome pictures with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, we got we got to push for that. Um, so we'll see. Maybe we'll have a little meeting next year and be like, "Hey, guys, let's let's, yeah. let's do." It. So let me ask you about um, exercise variation because there was a. I don't even want to like put his name in there because I just don't want to have like a back and forth with it. But there was somebody who's I guess well known, and he talks about exercise variation. Um, he was big in like the 2000s. So th this guy, you know, uh, esteemed guy, somebody who I've learned a lot from like in my earlier years of training, but we did have kind of a debate back and forth. Uh, and, and it seems obviously there's a bias towards people I talk to that they're going to agree with me. Right. And, and then probably the same for him. But basically on that, I feel like exercise selection is very important. Right. But once you've found exercises that work for you, right? You know, I'm not saying for everybody, it's going to be the barbell bench press and pull-ups or whatever. But once you've found those, I think progressing over the, like, over the years is more or less going to get you to your maximum size. And you can change sets and volume and, and you know, reps, all these things. But for the most part, like constant variation isn't going to help. He feels like once you've maxed out an exercise, this new exercise and this new exercise and this new exercise and, and what they call getting weird with it is like the key to continued variation, which I just don't see. And, and you know, the people who I see as like the most impressive are actually strong on like a few key movements. Um, but maybe you have a different opinion. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I've 
loosened up my grip a little bit uh, the last few years with perhaps sticking it through with a movement um, beyond a certain point. I used to be a little bit more stubborn with that. And now I'm a little bit more open to like, hey, you know, if you have three to four movements for an area that, you know, you're pretty good at. Um, and, you know, you, you pick up skills as you go through. So maybe, you know, the first seven years, there's two really that you're pretty proficient in. Yeah. Um, right. Um, I'd say, and you probably need a little bit more just for the sake of joint integrity. Um, the longer you do this, just to keep things fresh. Um, but, but still, I, I tend to, I feel that a lot of folks, the reason they switch up is because there's something lacking in, in, in regards to how they, uh, there's, there might be, and I'm not saying it's a case for this individual, but there might be programming limitations in regards to, you know, they don't know how to get a person beyond like that, that sticky point. Um, and, and for me, I think a lot of that skill came from working with powerlifters where it's like, yeah, they're not going to let you, you know, replace your, uh, your, uh, flat barbell with, uh, dumbbells. Sorry, dude. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, so because I work with that population so much, that is, it's like, you know, it gets sticky, but eventually, you know, you develop some, um, you know, some little tricks here and there that help an athlete continuously, um, progress. But um, on that note, I still, th- yeah, I still think people usually, it's like they get to that sticky point and they're like, all right, let me just bring in something new. And then it feels like progression. Right. But, you know, it's so, me. Yeah, okay. that, that's, that's kind of what my point was. It's like, look, every time you added a new exercise, you're going to quote unquote progress, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's those neurological adaptations. You're getting better at the movement. So my example was, let's just take somebody like assuming, let's say an inclined dumbbell bench is a good exercise for you. And you work up to hundred pound dumbbells for 10, right? Over however many years, if you switch to a new exercise, again, you'll definitely progress on that exercise. If let's say after six months of progression, you come back to the inclined dumbbell, you haven't practiced it in a little while, right? So maybe you're down to hundreds for eight. If you get up to the 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 now, you've almost certainly put on, I would say, a mass to your chest, right? Because you've hit this new PR. Cool. If you came back and you hit 8 and then 9 and then 10 and then 10 again and then 10, I am almost positive that that extra variation you did for six months did not add muscle because if it did, you would have greater cross-sectional area of those muscle fibers. You would be able to produce more force. And once you became more efficient at the incline dumbbell again, you would have progressed past that 10 by 100 is my thoughts. And that ultimately, mm-hmm. maybe exercise variation is useful, but if you've determined a few key um, like pillars or, or like what you use as gauges of strength, that is what you can look at over the years, assuming you, know, you didn't get injured and had to long-term change something to gauge your progress. No, I, I, I agree. I, I agree. Um, um, yeah, like it might get sticky, but with a sticky movement, once you get that thing moving, it's mm-hmm. like you, that's, that's when I've seen the biggest changes in my athletes. Um, you know, it's like, Hey, we've maybe man only added like 3% to our, you know, eight to 12 rep range in that movement. Mm-hmm. but typically that's when you see the greatest gains compared to like, Hey, let's restart it on this movement, take a month, sometimes twice to just become semi-proficient with it. Yeah. And then finally we're wrong again. Um, but I will say this. I, 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 one thing I respect a little bit more is I, when creating a bodybuilding program, I think you have to look at it almost from like a movement first perspective. You know, it's like people talk about like volume and intensity. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think, What's most important is like, hey, let's nail down our movements and try to get things covered from that area because that I think impacts those other two quite a bit. Yeah, Um, and and that is one thing I I definitely credit this guy with saying is as far as finding the right exercises, um, and he does like some like unique variations. But what he'll say is like, okay, if you've been chipping away at this exercise for five years and you're not happy with that body part, do you? think that just adding a little bit more volume on that exact same exercise is going to be the key? Probably not. 
right? Like I would agree with him that like maybe there is a variation that you would feel better in that in that if you haven't spent the time to actually find what works for you in that regard, then yeah, I, I think like you said, finding the right movements is key before adding volume to the movements. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the on the powerlifting note, so some of them, honestly, I'd say almost the, the most impressive when it comes to these areas that I've seen on natural bodybuilders when it comes to um, quads, glutes, uh, hamstrings, we'll throw those in there too, and pecs, the most impressive um, um, set of those muscles that I've seen on drug-free athletes have been power lifters at the U at USAPL Nationals at the warm in the warm-up room. Hmm. Um, sometimes I'm like, man, I just, I, I got to get the creeper cam in here and just show people like yeah. how mutated these athletes are in, in those areas. Right. And here's the thing is like, they're doing it with movements. If, if, if they're that high level, they're probably, they probably fit those athletes pretty well, right? Sure. Because obviously they're here. Um, but nevertheless, they're probably still on those guys. Like, I don't know, maybe like third tier movements when it comes to those body parts. Hmm. Um, and so these areas are so impressive and, and that's because the name of the game, there's progression, right? You know, like you don't have time to mess around in powerlifting with like, Oh, this just, this feels good. Or my favorite right. athlete does. <laughs> but it's, it's like, you just, you have to like force that, um, square peg through a round hole basically sometimes, yeah, yeah. but they're still making like, especially glutes. Like I wish, um, a lot of female athletes would check out the glutes on these powerlifters because it's like it's like this is what you guys are looking for, and right, there's exactly. a lot when it comes to what movements they pick, and they don't have nearly as many variations. But because the name of the game is like your total is not increasing, you're just not competing. Yeah. Um, they figure out a way to do it, and they have to get very crafty with their programming in order to keep it going. Basically, yeah, it's always amazing to me the number of women who want you know, bigger glutes and thighs and they just resort to like running and banded hip kickbacks and, and things like that. And it's just like, man, just get under the barbell and you will almost certainly like what you're seeing. With 80 variations, yeah, and it's it's like right. legitimately like <laughs> you're going to have to lift like a dude, you know, like you're going to have to lift some loads that freak you out and they're going to get heavy. And, and that that's when I've seen the greatest progression as well. When it comes to my athletes is, yeah. is when we pick a, a few good hingey movements, a few good squat patterns and move for that athlete and uh, work for that athlete and just like go to town on those for extended periods of time. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, you're now, I think what close to 20 years lifting. 20. Uh, this is my, actually my birthday month. It was somewhere in June. Because uh, I remember my junior year of high school had uh, just ended, and I needed something to do. So okay. yeah, it was around 1999. So it, this is year 22. Wow, that is a long time. Um, so as far as like, because you talked about it being like a productive off season, right? And now you have one more year of off season before you're going to start getting into prep. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a, around this time uh, next year. Okay. So obviously super advanced obviously natural trainee what are you hoping like what would make you satisfied between this season and last season when you were already what was it 18 years in mm -hmm. man um i would like to not have to see a way in under 160 that would be nice okay that would be That'd be a one because uh, last prep, I think the lowest I saw was like 157. I was also in the best shape I've, I've ever been in. But uh, I'd, I'd like I could get three pounds in there, which is probably going to be a combination realistically of, hey, I, I gain muscle, but then also you learn to salvage more every time on the way down. Right. Um, yeah, I'd ask that, that yeah. how much, because I know, you know, Jeff is kind of known for that, you know, one season, 165, I think the next one's 75, something crazy, right? which he, I think, rightfully attributes to dieting a lot better. Um, I would guess that his off-season had somewhere between zero and three pounds more muscle. So if you were able to not mm -hmm. get under, you know, because, yeah, that, that's a big difference. I mean, at your level, three pounds is a huge deal. So I mean, how much of that do you think would come from actual added muscle in the off-season versus better? And I know it's hard to quantify, but... Then this gives you an idea of how hard it is to quantify because let's just take a medial delt. Right. Like if we were to 
just chop it off and throw it in, you know, your old, uh, good old like bodybuilding, like kitchen scale. Mm-hmm. Like realistically, that head, I don't know, might be, I'm going to take a shot. It might be four ounces of muscle. Right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's one that matters. It's one that you can like really visually see. So when you think about like how much skeletal muscle you have, it's right. not nearly as much as people think like lean body mass is so many other mm-hmm. things as well. Sure. Um, so who knows, maybe that head added an ounce. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, that's, that's going to make a, a huge difference because, you know, at a certain point you already have a nice little pile and anything on top of that nice little pile just uh, really, really adds up. It's kind of like when you're, you know, losing body fat, right. Where, you know, it's like maybe the first 10 pounds just have you looking debloated. Uh, and then the, the last three pounds you lost were just so much more impressive in regards to the changes your physique saw compared to the three pounds before. So, um, so it's kind of the same way with muscle gain where it's like a pound on a really like just uh, advanced physique, it, it, you're going to see a difference. Like with Brian Whitaker, mm. um, prime example, you can go on his, his uh, webpage and right. check him out. And, and, you know, his scale weight was about the same and if not a little bit better. But when he was, he hit this hot streak at a certain point where every year it was like looking revamped. And, uh, but there wasn't a, a big change in, in scale. So, you know, a lot of it is because probably lost more body fat. But it just kind of goes to show you, like, a few well-placed ounces make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's cool that after this much time, because I've, uh, we've talked about this before, but I've felt like after year 12 or so for me, it was just harder. Like, I, I found motivation in um, strengthening movement patterns, like hitting an overhead press PR, I think, last year um, was a big deal for me. Pull-up PR, things like that. And, and because I can feel that progress it's very hard for me to pick out any, you know, like muscle growth. You know, I look at the measurements, my arms are 16 and three quarters, like they have been <laughs> for five years, you know? So it's, it's hard, um, I think, to stay as motivated. But I would also add that just having the podcast and staying in this space, like you're kind of like who you're around and then talking to you guys does help, I think, keep some of that motivation there. Um, but it's cool to see somebody who like genuinely when you talk about it, like you can just tell it's still, there's still some fire in there. And as you said, I think as competition nears even closer, you'll really feel that even more. And, and having that meaningful to you goal is really important, I think, for any, any walk of life. But definitely this where there are some times where, yeah, the passion and the um, love for it is important, but sometimes you just need the motivation to grind through too. Yeah. Yeah. And thank, thankfully, hey, usually performance metrics really do translate into, into gains. And like when it comes to the, the prime movers and, and that movement that we're talking about a compound or, or ISOs, I think sometimes people, you know, because ISOs take so much longer, they kind of forget about those. And it's mm-hmm. like the same thing with those, you know, go pick up your reps on your lateral raises. Yeah. Um, but I think what really keeps me entertained at this point is that when I do get something to progress, um, I really, it, 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 there was a lot of brain gains involved with that. Like I had to upgrade myself in, in, in some way, whether it be, hey man, you could be evidence-based and to, to, to the max, but we all have our little biases and stuff like that. And yeah. when you're able to see that objective and, and see that and, and maybe try new things um, and, and, and learn something new when you, know, you think you were kind of done learning almost, yeah. um, that's really exciting so yeah there's something yeah, that feel is going to be because i know you meant like obviously part of it's just time right time from 2017 to now is there something that you feel like you've learned that is going to help your off season or prep season relative to the last time um yeah yeah a few things um i think the longer i do this the more i understand the madness behind like jeff's approach in some ways you know, because he's 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 so darn efficient, right? And I'm not there yet, but I get it now. Where, um, you know, I used to think that hey, like with volume being 
the thing that most likely it seems to have to go up over time in order to continually progress. Right. Um, I used to think about like, man, how am I going to do this? Like going into my forties where I have to put more mileage through my physique and, you know, I didn't my twenties. Right. Um, but you know, if you're getting stronger, you're getting more proficient with your movements, uh, you're finding movements that better fit you. Um, there's just so much more stimulus with, with each rep now compared to, you know, years past. Um, so yeah, a lot of it has just been, um, really narrowing down my movements. Um, I've also, um, um, chasm lives like right down the road basically. And he's really helped me. So I think especially with, uh, chasm from, uh, N1, uh, training. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, there's a few things that, you know, with the help of him, I've changed in my training that, that I think have made a difference. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, along with just really, really just, you just learn to close windows in your head when you train, the longer you do this, you know? Um, and, you know, we all think we're like these really focused, like Zen warriors when we're training, but uh, it would make sense that that's a skill you also get better at, you know, it's, right. it's like, you know, when you turn it on, you turn it on. So yeah, now like, man, I'll get three to four sets of like my dumbbell presses. And it's like, man, every rep like mattered. Every rep was way more crispier than it was uh, just a few years back. So is that like, so a, yeah, if you were to try to qualify that, is that more of a, okay, like I'm slowing down my form and, or is it like I'm mentally actually thinking about it more? If you were to try to train somebody in this, what would you tell them as cues? Mm -hmm. Man, well, um, a, a lot of it is being even better at picking apart what's going on through with, with through movement, like just like visually, like when I see my own footage, I think that's super important mm -hmm. reviewing like if I don't have something to record my lifts with when I'm at the gym, I feel like I'm missing a huge tool. Um, so like, for example, you look at Jeff, man, like rep one, <laughs> all the way to the last rep on that day. It's like, they look exactly the same, exactly the same, you know, even when he's grinding, it's like, they look exactly the same. So, um, so yeah, a lot of it is, is, you know, it's after we're done with something it's like, Hey, we break down technique. It's like, okay, what can we do better? And you continuously work on that. Like with my dumbbell press, for example, uh, a big thing has been like really finishing that movement. Um, so it's kind of morphed over time, like where my dumbbells are uh, turned a little bit more, like they're a little bit more neutrally gripped so I can really drive my elbow across, um, and getting as much as I can every set or every workout. Um, I like to record my first one cause that tells me, okay, this is going to be the issue today. Okay. Um, and, and my last one, because that's where I'm most fatigued and mm -hmm. the things things really start to show up. So it's usually my first and my last set on almost everything. Wow. Okay. Is that something you recommend your clients do too? I, I think it's, it's huge. It's huge because I mean, um, you can talk about again, like the, like the, the volume, right? The, the intensity, right? The, but it, that doesn't tell you how much about a program when you're just looking at sets and reps. It's like, okay, how is this being done? And I'd, I'd argue that, you know, someone who was on a, I don't know, a, a C plus program, but has a plus form is going to make more progress than someone who has like the inverse of that going on where right, they're on right. a plus program, but I never get to see how they're moving. And then I, I finally do because finally they get me video and I'm like, all right, yeah. it's so much more out of this, you know? Does your phone just have like hundreds of videos of you? <laughs> so doing it, 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 uh, no, we have to stay on top of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of keeping room in there, but, uh, right. but, but yeah, it, <laughs> I think breaking down your film is is key, and this is something that yeah I definitely got from uh, my powerlifting influences because for them it's it's super important. Right, right. So I want to talk about uh, back specifically, and uh, even pull ups more specifically. So pull ups are something I'd say I'm fairly good at. Um, you know, I, I've done I don't know. I guess my PR was I just did ninety attached to me for six. Um, and I don't know if I want to, I saw, um, Candido is kind of like back on YouTube a little bit and he's going to do like a one rep max thing. And I was thinking maybe doing that. I also don't want to tear anything. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my best for reps was a 
you know, I guess you'd call like a touch and go very rapid 30 reps, but that's not how I would typically recommend performing them because I could, as everybody knows, I could slow that down and I could make, you know, 15 reps, literally half of that, like so hard. Um, so is are pull-ups still something that you incorporate as, you know, the first part of the question? And secondly, have you noticed that, cause this is something that Abel Chabai and I have discussed where pull-ups more than other movements seem to have like a cap on strength. And I guess because so it's like, as you gain muscle, you're also then adding weight to the pull-ups, right? So um, maybe I shouldn't say cap on like your pulling strength, but just how much you can load. So like when I worked out with uh, Joey's at Marriott, his strongman gym, and I mean, obviously they're all way stronger than me and, and way more impressive, but like pull-ups wise, it wasn't even close. Like I could smoke them because I'm hundred pounds lighter. Um, or even Paul Canoe, who very lean, very muscular, IFBB pro, um, I was probably stronger than him or about the same on pull-ups too. And it just seems to be like, it seems to have a cap. You don't really see anybody like repping out more than a hundred pounds on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just some things about that movement that make it great, but at the same time, you're just going to have to be very patient with it because once you know how to do it, it's like very hard to improvise. And that's one of the biggest differences between say how a power lifter lifts versus how a bodybuilder lifts like you know for a bodybuilder it's like you don't want to improvise you know it's like when you're doing a lateral raise it's like hey you have to keep an eye on all your other joints and make sure making sure that you know they don't twitch and you know contribute to like as we talked about this little head here that mm -hmm. maybe weighs four ounces and it's very easy for you know a little ankle twitch if you're doing them standing to you know find its way yeah. into the movement right you know with pull-ups it's like hey your body's just hanging you can know what it looks like. You really can't improvise. So it's a slow mover, but I'd argue that if you're adding reps to that, you're probably going to see changes in those prime movers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, do you incorporate them or do you do more of like, like lap pull downs? Um, I, I do more of, of, of lap pull downs. And uh, again, this is something that influenced by, 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 by Kasim and, and um, you know, he kind of went over like the uh, active range of, of uh the lats i'm like oh that makes sense it's like you know especially you know if you're going this way um first of all it's it's easier to get certain muscle groups in the upper back a little bit more involved than you like there's also a little bit of more pec than we think uh when you start a pull-up because mm -hmm. a pec kind of helps you out with that so for me it's it's um especially being a bodybuilder who is in need of more lats it's like okay let me see if i can make this even like more accurate and just really really zone in on on, on those lats obviously there's always going to be other muscles involved but right but I've, I've really um i've taken a liking to their um to their their pull down variation yeah yeah it's interesting you mentioned like the the pecs can't be involved and you know it, uh one movement i don't see anybody really do anymore like pullovers used to be like a, a pretty popular movement i think that was more like, like arnold's days and stuff like that it's just a movement that you don't really see anymore i, I never actually loved it. i mean i did incorporate it um i know was it nautilus maybe or hammer strength they used to have like a pullover machine mm -hmm. that a lot of people really yeah. loved um but i don't see those anymore either uh, we have one. We have we have a hammer strength. The Nautilus I hear is a little bit better. I've, I haven't had the privilege of, of using that one. Okay. Um, but man, I have a bone spur in my right shoulder where okay. it's like uh, I get I do anything in this plane. It just starts to act up. But that's the reason I I, I I can't really keep those in for too long. Which is another thing when you're, you are picking movements. It's sometimes you might have a movement. It's like hey, it's on paper. It's the gold medal, but for whatever reason like you just can't do it long enough to you know really benefit from what we talked about where it's like okay i've developed a certain level of competence and now basically you just gotta grind it out here for a while so yeah. um so sometimes yeah it, it, you do have to end up picking like silver and bronze metal lifts but because you can do them for a long long time like that's that's going to be your meal ticket right yeah yeah for sure i think one of the reasons that i like pull-ups it kind of goes back to that what we were talking about earlier, that gauge of progress, because I've done them for so long that like, I don't necessarily think they are superior to lap pull downs or anything like that. I mean, I, I think they're a great movement, but I think it's just something that I've like at this point, almost like, because I'm, I want to make sure I fight any regression with age or anything like that. 
um, which sounds kind of ridiculous at 29, but it is after this much time training, I, I want to make sure that like, I'm still just as strong and, and per, you know, progressing as possible. Um, I've done pull-ups for so long, right? I've done barbell bench press for so long. Are these movements I'm still going to be able to crank out at 40? I don't know. Um, you know, I might inevitably have to switch, but they're just exercises that I've done that I can say, okay, well, this year I was doing this. Even if I got one rep, like you said, that, that probably is actual progress at this point, having done thousands of sets, you know, so it's just that kind of gauge. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely means you probably added a few ounces right. to you know, <laughs> the, the muscles that you are targeting. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot. And I mean, as, as specific as I am about my lat stuff, um, like I'm about to start barbell squatting here again, simply because I'm like, shoot, like it, it it's probably a skill that I want to keep up with simply because, Hey, if I'm 50, 60 and I can go down, you know, with like four plates on the squat, it's like, Hey, that's probably a pretty healthy old man who doesn't yeah. have his physical limitations as most people their age. Yeah, totally. But no, uh, no plans to step back on like a powerlifting platform. You know what? I was going to do one, but then the whole COVID thing happened. I was going to, it was going to be very low key. It was going to be under the radar. I'm like, cause I just got my squad over 500, like quite easily too. So I was like, okay, you know what? I can. Oh, you I, can... Know, I forgot you did that. Yeah. 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 Cause you guys all had the competition, right? And then was that when Jeff tore his calf? Was that the same so time? Jeff, Jeff was on his way to beating it like back in 2013. Yeah. A long time ago. And, uh, and then, yeah, he, he tore his calf. So that kind of ended that um so it was kind of just eric myself and brad who were left uh-huh. and uh i just felt really motivated to squat and like you know what i think i can do this if i just really like put my mind to it and, and that's we did it. yeah i was squatting once a week like three sets too so um yeah so it was not a whole lot of uh a whole lot of volume a whole lot of work but um so that's interesting yeah, to me. so you don't because i at this point if i want an exercise to go up for them, I've had some weird times where all of a sudden, like I, I actually hit a bench press PR for reps, um, like 225 max out back in during COVID actually, but I didn't change my routine at all. It was just totally random. Uh, most of the time though, I have to do a specialization phase, but you were just doing once a week, you said three sets and it, you mm-hmm. found it was going up. Any contributing factors you can think of? Yeah, you know, uh, I was going back to like the Gen 1 daily undulating periodization for like mm. powerlifters, uh, which was brutal, man. Like we just, it's almost because we were picking on a different variable over the course of the week. Like they were like, oh, we could just do like a crap ton of work because this is different from this, this is different. And it's like, no, not really. We found that out the hard way or the Gen 1 powerlifter who did that, uh, who was a part of that crew found out the hard way. Um, so one thing I remember with myself and, you know, when I get in there with my powerlifters and I really examine things, it's, it's like at a certain point, you're just doing work to basically, um, just cross it off the list. It's like, are you really there? Are you really involved? You know, whereas I found out with like, when I gave myself three sets, like my, I'm like, okay, you have these three sets. It's like, for these, however many reps you have left, uh, you have today, it's like, okay, you're going to keep track of everything. Like, is that bar right? Where is that knee traveling compared to the right knee? Um, you know, what was different about rep one compared to rep two and that set? So I just felt that at the end of the day, when the training session was done, is like, man, I could probably write like three paragraphs in regards to like what happened today. What did I need to do different? You know, highlights, lowlights, um, that sort of deal. So... So, yeah, like talk about focus, right? I, I think it's yeah. something um, you just get so much better at as, as time goes on. And I've, I realized that, hey, this is basically if it's, again, it's like studying in college, right? It's like there's the person who studies, like they're like, oh, I studied like 15 hours a week. And it's like, yeah, but you have, you know, all these like other windows open right. on, yeah. on your computer, right? But like, what if like you just really just did that? Um, so that's something that's really improved with, with training ages is just my ability to, to focus on like, what is there? Awesome. So, um, this kind of ties into it actually. So like, there's been the like training to failure debate, right? I mean, that, that's been going on forever, but then more recently there's just like Isertel versus Lyle and that whole thing. Um, 
part of it is like, okay, the argument is like, definitionally, what are we talking about here, right? Do you actually have to fail and, and different types of failure? Um, I've seen a lot of people comment that they feel like generally Lyle is like very abrasive, but in this case, he's, he's kind of right in like what it means to actually go to failure. And I will say I've been surprised by a number of people who talk about failure training. And then you mentioned the importance of videos. You see a video and it's like, man, that just didn't look that hard. <laughs> like, like not that it wasn't an intense set, but like it, it didn't look to failure, which part of me was like, okay, like who, it's not that big of a deal. But if, if we're defining our uh, volume prescriptions and things like that, and you know, uh, RIR based on what true failure is, it's probably important to actually know what true failure is, right? Um, and if that means occasionally taking a set to failure, like true failure, so you have a good gauge of that, that can be important. Uh, I was just kind of wondering where you stand on that. And um, at least the last time I saw like 3DMJ prescriptions, it sounds like you guys still generally don't take a ton of sets to failure. Has that changed at all or generally still the same? Man, I think it's something you have to touch up on. Like it's a like any other skill. It's a skill that if, if you don't brush up on enough, um, you can lose it, I feel. Um, so, man, yeah, I, I'd say I, I do it a little bit more frequently than, than I think people would assume. But I'm even, in the right cases, okay with seeing a little bit of form breakdown because um, that's how you know, you know, so long as it's, it's, it's again, it's still, for the most part, safe. So... You know, I'll take a set of, um, well, we just use dumbbell presses like to, to failure every once in a while, just to, again, know where that ceiling is now because it should be changing over time. Um, and uh, also because, man, um, sometimes like you can break form on one rep and then correct that right then and there. And then it's like, hey, you fix it on, on the next one. So sometimes if you get too nasty with the whole like technical failures, like technically failure, it's like, uh, right. well, sometimes you're able to like, okay, well, that was a little weird, but I still have uh, another one in there. Um, and it's just good. To, it's so good to know where you're at. because, And this is where filming like is, is super important because, again, I remember from my powerlifting days, there are sometimes days where it's like whatever was written on that sheet, I'm like, as I was warming up, I'm like, there's no way I can do this. But sometimes you right. just feel yourself, you see it get done and you're like, it's actually moving, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so sometimes it's like, okay, like, you know, check yourself. Like, was that really, if you were training this person, you were there to push them, would you really say that was, you know, a two RIR or not? Um, so, so yeah, it, it is something you have to brush up on. And I think that's why, like, all things considered, Jeff has been training for a while. He's 10 years older than I. I think he still touches failure a little bit more often than, than most would assume as, as well. And it's one of the reasons that when, you know, shit hits the fan on the set and it's getting, like, really hard, like, Jeff is zen. Like, he looks like a 100-meter sprinter coming down the track. Like, you know, he's just like, he's like, okay, yeah, like, my body feels like it's under attack, but right. face stone cold. He's like, let's just do what we're supposed to do and not get finished you know right. um there is something to being able to like stay calm when everything else in your body every cell in your body is telling you not to be yeah it's um i do think it's it's something that could be worked on and it's a skill and, and also especially for some people like i've commented before i think people with like a competitive athletic background i'm not saying like college or elite level i just mean like you grew up playing sports you were a competitive person it seems to just kind of transfer more easily to those people than somebody who literally never exercised until they were 25. And then like, I remember a friend of mine who he, he's, <laughs> uh, he's a close friend. I love him. But like, if you could imagine like somebody just kind of made of estrogen, like <laughs> that's how like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I joke about. And, um, but he, he went to the gym one time with me and he did a, it was like a shoulder. Uh, it was basically like a, a shoulder raise machine. I forget what it is specifically what it was called. Um, and I was doing the stack, which, you know, is not as impressive as it sounds on this machine. It was fairly <laughs> easy. But, uh, and he did like a third of it. And he was like, I couldn't even imagine doing like more like that. It seems impossible. But then like, within like two workouts, 
he was able to do like more than twice that. And it was because like he was so unaccustomed to pushing himself physically that I think people, they just don't know, like if they just don't live that life, they just don't know like what that actually means. Same thing, my sister recently, she went to them and she was like, do people actually work out this hard? Like, I, I, do people go every day and do this? And I was like, yeah, but like, um, it's just interesting if you really don't have that background, you're just so unaccustomed to it. Yeah, yeah, shoot. Um, so I, I train a lot with my girlfriend and her first coach was, uh, I guess you could say, her first coaching experience was like, yeah, you know, your typical uh, local NPC coach. Okay. And uh, the amount of work she was doing relative to what I set up for her was vastly different. Mm. And, you know, after a, a full meso cycle, or this is her second one that, that I've, I've wrote for her, um, at the end of that last block, I was just like, so do you think if we took off a set of like the majority of the exercises, do you think you could get better work and you'd be able to push yourself harder? And, you know, it went from like fighting me in regards to like, man, this does, doesn't seem like a whole lot to like now it'd be like, it, it was, it was like a, yes, please let's, yeah. let's do because, you know, you can really realistically only turn on that switch so many times over the right. course of a, a day. And, and honestly, like if you're doing it right, two to three reps left in the tank, mm-hmm. that's some serious work. Right. It, it's some serious, serious work. So, um, so Yeah is that and that's again it brings up that that whole argument that you're, you're probably going to see that as time goes on you probably don't have to do as many total sets but that's because you're able to get so much more stimulus out of everything um again from attention span to right. just better exercise selection to better technique to just getting stronger um so yeah yeah man i wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years i was like lifting like not nah, just like Jeff, but it, uh-huh. we weren't as far apart anymore. Yeah, I and I, again, maybe maybe I'm just lazy. I don't think that's it. But you know, it's uh, I look at like my volume, and I do because I do low volume. I do take most sets pretty close to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I mean, I was dieting. My best diet I've ever done was during COVID, and I literally was doing six work sets to failure per body part, um, and. I mean, I literally retained almost hundred percent of my strength. Uh, but even like when bulking up, I'll do eight, maybe on like biceps, triceps and like 12 on like, you know, chest or something like that. And I, like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how could people be doing like 30 sets in a week? Um, you know, and again, not that I couldn't physically do it, but I'm like, would that really be necessary? I just feel like it's like, okay, I finished that exercise. That's it. Like, you know, and again, I, I don't, maybe somebody who does way more would say that's lazy. I just, it just genuinely doesn't feel, cause I've tried the higher volume stuff and I just felt like, it's just like, you're just working. Like you're not, I'm not like feeling the muscle anymore. I don't feel like it's helping me progress. It's just doing more for the sake of doing more. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like you're swimming anymore. You're just trying to stay afloat basically at that point is, is what it feels like. Um, no, uh, I, I, I've looked at uh, old bodybuilding logs from many years ago like many years ago, like 2005, 2006, 2007. Um, and I was like, man, like I was doing these 40 set like leg days. And for a long time, I couldn't explain like why that worked. And, and, and I think now well, I, I found a way to convey what was going on. And it's, I was probably hitting 10, I was hitting 10 bullseyes probably. Right. But I had like 40 darts you know right so it was it was just it was a lot of, it was just like when in doubt just do more and and you know you'll you'll get some bullseyes whereas like now it's like i'm you know i go to the gym with 12 darts and you know i get 10 bullseyes um i guess the last point i would make on it is do you feel like because you kind of touched on it earlier with laterals i do feel like those movements in particular and there's a couple other ones where it's so easy to just like you said little little toe lift there and and you can just add so much i find exercises like that very hard to gauge progress and and true failure even now because inevitably i'll i'll kind of like reset form and my desire to progress will just cause almost subconsciously just cause a little little oomph to it you know over time and then it's now 12 weeks later i'm like wait a minute this is not (laughs) the form i started with 
And there's certain movements I just find particularly prone to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, the little resets that they, they happen less and less, I, I think, as time goes on. Like, we've all probably remade our squads, like, at least three or four times. Like, there was three or four major times where it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go back down to two plates and let's start this all over again. Yeah. Um, so that just, that happens less and less. Um, and, you know, I've been using Jeff a lot here as an example, but it's like, you hardly ever see that with Jeff. Like, hardly ever is he like, hey, you know what, like, this looks completely different than like three years ago. Um, so there's something to trying to figure out like, hey, let's try to figure out how to get this right the first time and let's just keep it there, you know? Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's going to happen with ambitious lifters, man. Where Yeah, like, for sure, for sure. I got the tape and you're like, oh, wow, like that's not what I had intended for. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys for that reason ever go towards like machine movements or things that are, you know, I guess easier to control form or is that really not a factor in your decision-making? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes like, yeah, there's certain machines that, you know, they're pretty useful in that regard, like hamstring curls, right? Like leg extensions, like, you know, you know, those ones you nail down, nail it down. It's again, it's going to be a slow mover, but because it's, it's so controlled, um, you know, it's it's i think it's worth sticking it through and, and again um man three to four reps over the course of a meso cycle like when you look at the totality of the work done like if if you can do three to four more reps like in this same workout like 12 weeks later like sometimes that's i mean that's doesn't seem like a whole lot but it's yeah it's, no definitely progress that you know is going to get you the results you want which at the end like that bottom line is what we all want to be about definitely all right man well i see we're coming up on an hour here so i appreciate you taking the time again to talk and i mean i'm sure audience is familiar with you at this point but where can they find more of your work yeah man um 3dmusclejourney.com we have man we're pumping stuff out like every week now so it's taken a while to get to that point but you know, I've been on the other side of, of being a consumer and, you know, sometimes you find a good source and you're like, but I just wish they would post things more frequently. So we're doing a good job of that. And um, I'm personally pretty active on, on Instagram. So, yep. Awesome. And I will link those down below. Right on, man. Hey, appreciate you having me, dude.